When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Avengers, Age of Ultron is garbage, folks. Is it an alligator or a crocodile? I don't know the difference, and at this point, I'm too afraid to ask. Look at that. That is a werewolf. What is up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Denny Geek Presents Marvel Standem Live. And I just want to point out one more time how much better that our producer Andrew's opening credits look than that AI garbage that Marvel shoveled out for Secret Invasion. But anyway, that is neither here nor there. My name is Mike Cicchini. I'm the editor-in-chief of DennyGeek.com for now. And uh, with me, for all time and always, I have... Denny Geek News and Features Editor Kirsten Howard. Welcome back, Mr. Joe George, brilliant pop culture writer who is kind enough to lend his talents to Denny Geek. And we have podcaster Matthew Bose joining us for the first time. Did, were you here when I wasn't here one time, perhaps? Uh, Matthew, why, why don't you tell everybody where they can find you before we get rolling today? Thank you very much. So I do a podcast called Marvelous with two L's because we're very British, uh, very like Marvel Standom. So if you want another hour of in-depth discussion of every every uh, MCU film and TV episode, come check out Marvelous. Uh, part of the Eloquent Gushing podcast network, we also do Bake Off and Shadow and Bone and all sorts of podcasts on, on uh, things you might like. Thanks for joining us. Even though, Kirsty, you invited a competitor on the show. Uh, yeah, <laughs> what is this? All bets are off this season, Mike. All bets are off. Scroll, perhaps? I suspect this is going to be kind of a rocky episode of Marvel Standom because I have a sinking feeling I'm the only person who likes Secret Invasion. But <laughs> before we get into that... <laughs> Sorry, that was already good. Oh, I don't know where it came from. But first, Kirsty should tell us what went on in the pretty eventful episode four. I will. In the fourth episode of Marvel's Secret Invasion, Nick and his wife have a heart-to-heart, and Nick tracks Skrull Rhodey to an ambush on the president by Gravik and his men, where Talos is killed by Gravik. Boo. Uh, Gaia is alive, having used the Super Skrull machine to give herself extremists, However, in her last conversation with Talos, she claims she no longer believes in her father's optimistic ideology, saying that Gravik's more violent approach to the human race just works. And that's about it. Let's get started on the episode. But first, Matthew, I'd like to know your thoughts overall on, on Secret Invasion so far, uh, you know, as well as what you think of episode four. That's a little, uh, you're right, rocky, rough area to start with. It's It's been slow is perhaps the, the most generous way I can say it. Um, I I'm, I'm, find myself in a position where I'm wondering if I'm bringing too much to the table, too much expectation for this to be 
anything, a thriller at all, some sort of spy thing at all. Episode four has given me a little bit of hope. I will say that there are there are aspects in here that I was hoping for early on. We've got conversations between people in you know dark deeds being discussed in a church we've got lovers on different sides of an issue we've got double agents triple agents revelations about characters things we may or may not know that were coming but at the same time it's a bit formulaic in what it's doing and no one's quite expressing the emotions we want them to have in those situations no one is paranoid or strung out as they might be in this situation finding out everyone is against them I've got a bit of hope that it might build up to to more of this thriller spy aspect that we wanted from it. But I feel like what they're also setting up is a beam of light into the sky and two superpower people trying to have some inspirational ability against each other. So good. Maybe it's delivered something. Maybe it might deliver more? Question mark? Joe, I don't think uh, because I've been absent so much the last uh, last few weeks. I haven't gotten to talk and talk to you about secret invasion at all. And, you know, you and me, we're not always on the same page, but we usually like, because we're so old school with this stuff. And I think we share a loathing of the source material in this case. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, I've been dying to hear your thoughts on secret invasion as a whole, uh, as well as episode four. I think I'm going to be a disappointment to you, Mike. I, I think the show never, is really, never really. You never disappoint me, Joseph. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> uh, I think the show is really bad. I think it looks great. I think it's the best looking Marvel thing in quite some time. I, I think it's extremely well acted, and I think it's absolutely nothing. Uh, it's not a thriller. It's not a spy story. It's not a sci-fi story. It's not a social commentary. I don't know what this show is. And I can, you can take individual scenes from the show and, and I'll say, oh, that's good. I like, I, I mean, I love Ben Mendelsohn. Like seeing a, a hot, schlubby, middle-aged white guy because, you know, he's aspirational for me. Um, I love hearing, uh, You're watching- You see me every week. <laughs> I meant another one. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, I, I love watching Samuel Jackson and and Don Cheadle share scenes together. But when you get to the end of every scene, you, you end up asking, well, what was the point of that? And point on a plot level, point on a character level, point on a social commentary level, <clears throat> any of those things would be fine. Like, I, I feel like I don't want to say that like I'm I'm holding this show to a higher standard. Like it, you know, we talked a little bit about this last time that it's not Marvel's Andor, and that's fine. It doesn't need to be Andor, but it needs to be something, even if it's just super spies versus aliens. And it's not even that. And so this is a well-constructed, beautiful nothing to me. And I'm I'm really disappointed in it. That's worse than being angry at it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Kirsty. I know you've you've gone back and forth on this, and I think like we've we've mostly aligned on like what, you know, like the first episode was bad, and and we liked episodes two and three well enough, but this morning I was like I love this episode. You're like, what's the love? <laughs> so, yeah, I want to know where you're at here. You ever hear the expression "you can't polish a turd"? That sums up how I feel about this show so far. Like I'm willing to. It might surprise me in the last two episodes. It might end up being wrapping up really well or 
having some twists that might make me want to rewatch it and um, think about what I've seen in a different light. But so far, there's a lot of polish on it, but it is still a turd. Like it's the writing's not good. Um, the twists you can see coming a mile away. It's really formulaic. But then you have these amazing actors uh, saying the lines. You, it, like Joe said, it looks incredible compared to some of the other MCU shows and the movies that we've had recently. But it's just not very good. And none of this stuff seems to matter. There's like, you know, when Maria Hill died, um, Nick Fury had a conversation with her mom and it was like, but he didn't seem to there was no effect on him like it was just forgotten about and then I don't know will that be the same for Talos like will it we just move on next week and Nick just goes he's just being sort of shoved from scene to scene to do something and then or say something and then that's it they're just it just there's no cohesion really um or certainly a lack of cohesion that I would expect like a bunch of great scenes and and good ideas but they just don't gel together that's how I feel about it so far and episode four felt like a step down to me from the third one look I can't argue with any of these critiques because like this show's politics are incoherent at best problematic at worst if you're taking a really uncharitable view of them messaging story-wise etc yeah it's kind of soupy right like you just kind of like like what are we going to stir up this time but for some reason well not for some reason i think i know why but for some reason i am enjoying this more than any non-Guardians of the Galaxy Marvel product in a while. Look, the first three episodes of Ms. Marvel, was Ms. Marvel the last Disney Plus show before this? Like, has it been no. that long? No, there was She-Hulk. Oh, yeah, I blocked She-Hulk out of my memory. But, like, this is the first good MCU show in a while. Look, I'm not a hater, but like there are so many criticisms that even people who love Marvel and love the MCU have been leveling at the studio for a long time now. The, the sameness of the visual effects, the blandness of the visual effects, the lack of, you know, allowing directors to direct and actors act, you know, James Gunn projects notwithstanding. You know, the unwillingness to step away from the formula of, you know, every other scene has to be nodding to or setting up five other things down the road. And then, of course, there is just the inescapable Bendis Whedonitis of just like MCU dialogue in general, where everybody is just like nervously quipping all the time and it's obnoxious. And on funny, this doesn't do any of those things. Like, so it may not be doing anything, any one thing in particular, other than having, you know, Sam Jackson and Don Cheadle just be absolute gods every time they're on screen at all, let alone together. I just have these blinders on at the moment because it genuinely looks and feels so different from everything else that the MCU has been doing post Endgame, that I just kind of want to go with it. And like, I don't want to look being an apologist for Marvel is lame. Like this is the biggest juggernaut in pop culture history. They don't, they don't need me to cheerlead them. 
but like, I want this to be better and I want it to do better because I want them to take more chances like this. That being said, none of you are wrong. <laughs> <laughs> There's been a situation with this that I haven't had before where I've had comments from people on stuff I've said or written. The one after the second episode was that someone was really, uh, a few people were really annoyed with me for saying that um, Nick Fury knew his wife it was a scroll. They they thought that, you know, just because it ended with the reveal of Nick coming home to his wife, maybe he doesn't know she's a scroll. And they were really quite cross with me. And, and I said, well, it feels quite obvious that he does know that his own wife is a scroll. Like that it does feel obvious to me. And then the next week, yes, he does, he does know, of course he does. Um, of course he knows. And then, right. And then last week I said, well, Rhodey's a scroll at the end of the third episode. And Alec was like, no, you know, I, I question your concept of reality or whatever he said. He said, you know, there's no way they're going to do something as obvious as Rhodey as a scroll. You know, there's something going else going on here. You know, there's another level. And it, it's just like clear that there isn't another level yet in the show. Like it's, it is the obvious thing. It is the obvious twist. There's no secret third thing. Do you know what I mean? And I think that's the, the problem is that secret invasion. There should be a secret third thing. And that's why I say this with the proviso that like in the last two episodes, maybe there is. And it will, you know, will question everything we've seen so far. But um, it just all feels very obvious and very signposted and quite heavy handed. And that's not something you would want for what is quite obviously, you know, a show for the adult fans or adults, not necessarily for kids, um, you know, starring Old Man Fury. You would expect it to be a bit smarter, perhaps, and a bit more complex. The complex things they are trying to tackle, as as Joe said, like the, the political stuff, they're just not doing really doing anything to it. There's no depth to it. I don't know what I'm trying to say here. I'm just saying that, like, <laughs> basically, is there a secret third thing or is this just kind of a big nothing burger? I, it is. And I and I share exactly what you're saying, Mike. And I think that's why I'm so angry at it, because we know that you can tell all sorts of stories within the Marvel Universe. The success of the MCU should be giving the, the company license to uh, tell some of these other types of stories. And we got little tastes of that with... Uh, the holiday specials from last year where we got a proper old school horror story and we got a good Christmas story. And, um, you know, they, they've done little bits of that. And a, a, a spy thriller just seems uh, right. You know, just it, it seems like it's such an easy I don't know any sports metaphors here. Layup, I guess. Uh, soft pitch. I don't know. Um, uh, it seems like something they should do so well. And they're botching it on every level. And I, I, I almost feel like I can't blame them for going back to what they do. You know, Matthew, you were saying it might end with a light in the sky and and people having idealistic battles with each other. And when you're saying that, I'm like, I, I that would be something at this point. I would be happy just to get the bare minimum at this point because it's half-heartedly trying to do something different and that's such a frustrating waste it's a waste of these actors it's a waste of the scrolls it's a waste of the freaking scoop super scroll at this point i just uh, it's so frustrating so angry disappointed with this 
And like even that um, Amelia Clark is still alive. In the in my review last week, I'm like, uh, maybe she, you know, used the extremist machine to give herself, make herself super scroll when we weren't looking. And the show just does it like straight up and, you know, cold open, just like we're just getting a brief flashback to show, you know, yeah, that's what did happen. She's absolutely fine. I was just like, but that's so lazy. Like if I can write these things in my mind, they're bad because I'm not that good. Um, I, I'm like a newborn baby. Um, we go, you know, got your nose. I'm absolutely shocked by every twist. And yet this is like, it just feels really lazy and, and kind of easy. Like you said, it should, but it should be easy for them to get a dub here, but they're just, they've not gone for it. And I don't understand why. And, and it's all the... The, the promise of what this could have been. This was, for me, one of the things I was excited by was that, that the Marvel shows haven't had their own personality so far as a, as a franchise, as a shared universe. In the same way, you, you go to Star Trek, you go to the Arrowverse, you sort of got a clue about what sort of show you're going to watch and get. They've all been so different that, that you've not had that from the TV series. And this was the first time I felt like it was going to be like Falcon the Winter Soldier and a bit gritty and a bit down to earth in some ways. And whilst we've gotten that, it also feels like a story I've seen done better in many shows previously, including Falcon and the Winter Soldier did some of this, and The X-Files, and Star Trek's done it, and there's nothing here that I've not seen before, and exactly as you say, Kirsten, like, that I can't see coming, so help me just enjoy it in some way. I'm glad you brought up Falcon and the Winter Soldier, because that is the, sh- that is the, the, the project that tonally this feels the most like in a lot of ways. I was atypical as well in that, you know, the, la- the the sloppiness of the final episode really aside, like I enjoyed Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Like I thought it was weird. It had pacing issues. It was not, it was far from a perfect show. Granted, I have like severe late 80s Captain America comics goggles on that that show was catering to in like real Mike Bate ways. I I don't think it deserves the hate that it gets, but again, kind of political messaging, incoherent at best, et cetera, et cetera. Remind me where everybody else stood on that show before we go any further. Like Matthew, were were you a fan of Falcon and the Winter Soldier or did that annoy you as well? I I, I found that quite a slog to get through. There was, there was very little joy in it. And, and I think I understand from the real world aspects what impacted it and what it could have been. But what we got was was mm. difficult to get through. I enjoyed the end of it. I think we did a, a phase four wrap up as well. And one of my favorite bits was the speech that Sam gets to give at the end. I think I've not seen that delivered on elsewhere in Marvel. And this was, again, the place that we could have seen that. But I feel like it finally did start giving us something towards the end. Uh, and again, I'm, that's that's the thing that's giving me hope for what we might get in Secret Invasion, maybe. Firstly, I feel like you were on the fence. If Alec was here, he would be like, I know, I hate that show. You know how much I... Like, Alec is, like, almost at my levels of Moon Knight hatred with his hatred of Falcon and Winter Soldier, I think. Uh, I didn't think it was very good. Uh, But there were things that I enjoyed about it. There were things that it picked up and then dropped, like a toy that it was interested in for a few minutes and then just, I just just want to play with something else. Like the Isaiah Bradley story. I haven't read those comics and I was really fascinated when the show brought um, that story of, of, you know, his past sort of cap 
adventures into it and how the government had treated him and stuff like that. And I was like, you know, maybe they'll do something really interesting with this. That's like, what an interesting element of the show. And then they kind of just, they just drop it and move on to something else. Um, there's Bucky's trauma or whatever. I thought, oh, that's, that's interesting. They're finally going to deal with the fact that, you know, he's been through all this stuff and he's really damaged and he needs help. And then I guess he talked to a therapist for like eight seconds and then he was fine. It just didn't really, yeah, again, this was another one of those things where they had ideas, but they just didn't seem to know what to do with them in that six episode format. I, I got to check. I'm with you, Mike. I It's a top three Marvel show for me. Um, and probably for the same reasons, because I love Mark Grunewald's uh, cap run and it draws so heavily from that. I love U.S. Agent. Wyatt Russell is perfect casting for that character. I can't believe <laughs> we got to see Battlestar and the power broker, even if you didn't like the, that reveal uh, on television, all of that, you know, work for me. But I also, I, I think that's such a good counterpoint to uh, what Secret Invasion is doing, because as you guys have pointed out, the the politics are, are messy um, on Falcon and Winter Soldier, that it brings up, I, I think its big ideas are far more coherent than uh, anything in Secret Invasion. You know, I I say this as a white dude who has never experienced anything like that, but the scene where the cops uh, see Bucky and Sam arguing in the street and they start hassling Sam, you know, Captain America, that struck me as more incisive and, and striking than any of the conversations that we've seen in Secret Invasion. So I do think it's better on that, but even with that stuff aside, it's pacing is so much better. It's fight scenes are so much better. And just the scenes of Sam and Bucky squabbling with each other is so much more enjoyable. You know, the, the, the kind of the secret sauce with Marvel is always that it's not the best action. It's not the best cinematography. It's not all of these other things that you go for. At the end of the day, we enjoy these Marvel things because we like watching these characters hang out. You know, it's kind of all the shawarma scene at the end of Avengers that that makes the rest of that stuff work. And I can't put my finger on why Secret Invasion can't pull that off because we've been with Nick Fury from the beginning and few actors have more charisma than Samuel L. Jackson. And he's getting to exercise muscles here that he doesn't always get to exercise. And as we've pointed out, Don Cheadle, uh, Olivia Coleman, Ben Mendelsohn, all these people are, are fun to watch, but everything still feels so inert. There's something that for as many flaws as Falcon and Winter Soldier had, it's something that it got right that is just not happening here uh, with Secret Invasion. And I think it really has to land on the shoulders of the showrunner, Kyle Bradstreet. Uh, I think he's failing this more than anybody else in the show. I think I might know what it is. It's just always two people. We have seen a few bits where there's more than two. The scenes are just like two people talking for the most part. It's sort of like over, over, two shot or whatever. That's what we've got here. It's like there's a soapy element to it that's not really gelling. It's not, it's not an ensemble in the way that those were. And so they didn't they don't quite work as much. And I don't know whether that's like fallout from COVID where you're just trying to minimize the amount of people you've got in a scene or they think that's more intimate, but we're not really. I think it's the latter. Yeah, I think that's what it is. 
we're not gathering the team. And even in, in Ms. Marvel, we had her and her school friends and people like that. And she, she was meeting other people and it, it felt more, um, I don't know, more slightly more ambitious than this. There's something too minimalist about Secret Invasion, given the broadness of its of the topics it's trying to tackle. I'm wondering, is it just the availability of the actors? Because they've got this cast going on. Sam Jackson was available for all of it, but actually Amelia Clark's over here in, in Halifax and Ben Mendelsohn's down in London. Olivia Coleman's uh, over on the coast or something. He's just going around filming his scenes with each person each time. I, I honestly don't know what's gone on behind the scenes here, but I'd be fascinated to find out. I don't think it's anything other than budgetary restrictions because I picked up on this too. It's like, it's another scene with two people talking, right? You know what did that a lot? All of the Netflix Marvel shows, especially in the episodes where it was really apparent that they were stretching to get to 13, but also even just in like regular episodes, like even, and, and it wasn't necessarily a bad thing all the time, but I would be watching Daredevil season three, which was great. There were times when I was very aware. It's like, oh, two people talking. Oh, another scene of two people talking. Some of it's a budget thing. I think some of it is very much a creative choice of let's keep this intimate, which I have to appreciate. You know, they're not trying to wow us with razzle-dazzle all the time. And they want the performances to speak for themselves. And I think the performances are giving more weight to the words than they would have on the page for for certain but now i'm starting to wonder if if part of like one of the ways this is pushing my buttons is that i'm like well daredevil was like this and i love daredevil so like maybe this is just like and it's almost there too you could see it kind of reaching for a little bit of the edginess that the netflix shows had like sam almost drops like big swears every now and then and there's blood actually being shed so i was like Right. Is that going to be the big reveal at the end of the next episode? Is they're going to pan over and there's a hallway and we're going to be like, oh, it's going to be like the Netflix shows. It's on now. Yeah. <laughs> hallway fight with super scrolls. I mean, I would take it at this point. It's better than the bazookas we got at the end of this episode. I, I, I hear what you're saying. And I, I would I would cut it some slack for going for intimacy if they didn't name drop Raven and Carver in this episode. You know, that was like. When you're watching a terrible movie and the characters in the terrible movie are watching a really good movie and you're like, why am I not just watching that movie? You know, when as soon as they started talking about Raymond Carver, a guy who writes amazing stories where a couple of schlubs sit down and have a conversation while getting drunk. And that conversation, you know, covers the secrets of humanity and the nature of God and all of these things without ever being pretentious and just using regular language. You know, talk about a, a guy who can turn a conversation into something thrilling and rich and and all of this is just the emptiest nothing conversations you know that if you know your 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 chandler then then you should know how at least the beats or carver rather not chandler but some chandler would be good too um <laughs> if you know your your carver you should uh you know know the, kind of the beats of how a good rich conversation goes and this is just like you're in creative writing 101 and you just are stringing words next to each other it's i, I can't let them pass when they do that pretentious stuff like that did any of you watch mr robot the show that carl bradstreet worked on um previously 
only a couple episodes and turned it off because it looked amazing, but was dumb and empty. <laughs> Matthew, did you watch, watch it at all? Exactly the same. Only a few episodes and went, oh, this looks really clever and intense. I must come back to it at some point. <laughs> and then never did. There was a lot of two people talking in that show too. And again, you know, you've got Rami Malek, you've got Christian Slater, you've got all these uh, great like character actors. And it was worth watching every week just to see these people play off each other. It certainly didn't feel as formulaic and as this. I could potentially take us way off, like further off track than I already have, but I'm not going to. We haven't talked about spoiler time. We have not talked about, you know, Talos's death. You know, which I thought was pretty understated as far as MCU deaths go. Like, I don't know how meaningful it was. And of course, whether it sticks or not will determine just how meaningful it is. And as as you folks already pointed out, whether or not it has any actual noticeable impact on Nick um, will will determine how meaningful it is and, and all that. But I, it was another thing that struck me that it's like, okay, like here's a character that we have come to really like in these few episodes. Cause I didn't give a shit. I didn't, I did not give a shit about Talos and Captain Marvel. Like I did not care. I did not care. I, it was not a character I ever wanted to see again. Like, like he made no impression on me at the time. And I'm not a Captain Marvel hater. Like I think Captain Marvel is a perfectly entertaining film, you know, like it's fine. This show has made me kind of feel for him and his relation, deepening his relationship with Nick has kind of made me feel for him. Um, and I thought it was interesting how they tried to give him that kind of like sad prestige TV croaking here. It was a shame we didn't get a, a sort of ending moment, whether in that scene or, or before in this episode between him and Fury. We've had really good stuff with them in previous episodes and we didn't get some uh, just an extra button on it to make it fit, make it really land what this means or what he's giving up or his hopes for the future or something. Again, you know, we've had other shows do this really well with really good chemistry between their leads. Falcon and the Winter Soldier did it well. I talked about how there's stuff in the X-Files like this and, and that's built on that sort of chemistry. And it was here in early episodes and suddenly we didn't get anything between them and except for a bit of an action sequence, which the action sequence may or may not have landed for everyone. I think they were going for something again, more grounded. And then suddenly we've got Groot arms coming out. So uh, it did a whole very different thing that the, I don't know that in trying to pretend to be Russians, they should be using Groot arms was probably my only point on there. <laughs> um, I like how casually you just drop the Groot arms. Like it just sounds. Well, well, exactly. He just suddenly does it and then no one else does it. And it's sort of, we move on from it. And I don't know whether they were trying to kill the president or capture the president but the fact that it was Gravik in there and he delivers the blow means I think this is absolutely the end for Talos. I don't think we're going to see him again. And that's a real shame. The the only, again, hope that I've got for the future is maybe we're going to get one of the flashbacks we've been getting each episode to the past of Fury that shows his relationship with Talos. But I wish we'd had that in the build-up rather than post it, if that's what we're going to get. I was less sad that Talos was dead and I do think he's a, a good character I did I think he was one of the best things about Captain Marvel in fact I, I was less sad that Talos was dead and more like why would you why would you get rid of Ben Mendelsohn from the MCU like he's amazing okay like Ho Kobe Smulders maybe she'd had enough of not being explored as a character and just being dotted in here and there and getting absolutely no justice or you know fl no fleshing out whatsoever um but like I don't know why you would ditch Ben Mendelsohn. I like you. You're running out of like good 
actors in the MCU. I know in the multiverse anything is possible, like he could return. But three out of four of these episodes have ended with a shocking death. And uh, they've reversed one. Um, but these other two are just like, see, it's serious. Like, this is why you should care. This is why you should tune in next week. And I'm like, what for another death? What more to it is there? I'd, I'd love to know. But Nick's um, wife is getting her ticket punched next week. <laughs> <laughs> I love Talos. I think he's such a great character. I mean, I don't love Captain Marvel. It's a flawed movie. But I, one of the things I think it does really well is totally play with us comic book nerds who went into it like, yes, scrolls are bad guys. That's what we're expecting here. And then for them to twist that on its head was great. And then to then furthermore use that as a coherent uh, refugee analogy was just brilliant. And I think it was Mendelssohn that really made that work. He's a unique MCU character. You know, he's not just a retread of, of characters that we know from the comics. He's, inspired by the comics but is it exists only in this universe i think he's really special and it's not only that i love ben mendelson i love the whole concept you know and just for them to kill him off so unceremoniously it's just it's a bummer <laughs> i'm so sorry while you were talking joe my cap my captain carter fell down oh that's a bad omen captain carter from the great movie Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, your favorite? I think this is the the what if Captain Carter. <laughs> Doesn't look like it to me. <laughs> yeah, it's a bad omen. I'm not sure oh, no. what yet. But... <laughs> He's going to show up in the next episode and get, get killed and nobody's going to care. That happened in Doctor Strange too. Do you remember when they had Captain Carter and then she just died? Yeah, it was amazing. I do hope Deadpool 3 like does some kind of parody of that. I really hope that like most of the announced guest stars in Deadpool 3 are going to get often undignified and quick ways. What is this nonsense of people trying to say, yes, Jennifer Garner is Electra again? That's revisionist history that I cannot stomach. We have talked about Deadpool 3 at the beginning. We usually do the What's going on? Oh and that's yeah, it's true. We didn't do we didn't do a news roundup. I mean, what is there to, what is there to talk about other than these absurd castings and Hugh Jackman looking resplendent in a comics accurate Wolverine costume, which is pretty awesome. I could only like that more if it was like the brown and orange like Secret Wars era Wolverine costume, but that's just me. Joe just scoffed. I've never heard I that. throw out a hot take. <laughs> I don't like seeing him in the costume, uh, in any comics accurate costume. I didn't see it. I didn't expect this coming, but as a five foot four man, I like Wolverine to be short. And Hugh Jackman yes. is tall, hairless, and handsome. And that's fine. I've accepted that. I mean, I, I like him, but his Wolverine is a different character than comics accurate Wolverine. And there was something about seeing him in a, you know, in that costume that was like, you're not Wolverine, are you? You're, you're you're something different. You're too tall, too handsome, too hairless, too Australian. Uh, you don't even know about hockey. So I'm not as excited about that. Do you have a dream casting for Wolverine? No, no <laughs> I really don't. I just want them to be short and then grouchy and ugly and hairy. Pretty furry. Okay. Don't have to be comics accurate Wolverine short, but I am not tall. I should not be taller than MCU Wolverine. Tell everyone how tall I'm you five are. I'm 5'8". Like, I'm not tall. Like I would get a crick in my neck looking up at you in the face. Yeah, that's oh, that's as tall you enough. You're the only one. Come on. 
Like, <laughs> Lee is suggesting Tom Hardy as Wolverine. I will never forgive Tom Hardy for Venom, number one. Number two, <laughs> yes, Tom Hardy is 5'9", so I do appreciate recognizing another short king. But what somebody had suggested once, what's his name from The Hunger Games? Josh Hutchison? Yes. Uh, yeah, Taron Edgerton, I could see that, uh, at least throwing out there. Also 5'9". What crazy world in this when 5'9 is short? I'm not going to allow you to get away with that. <laughs> I just want him to be gross. I want him to be scuzzy. And I want, I want, th- th- for you want to actually feel that human versus beast thing that is the whole uh, appeal of Wolverine stories. The MCU won't even let its villains be bad. Are you kidding yeah, me? Like they're yeah. going to make Wolverine <laughs> scuzzy? Anyway, I forget where we were going. Oh, just back to your point about Elektra, though. There is revisionist history on the internet where people are like, bring back the 2005 Fantastic Forecast for one more ride. Wow. <laughs> the like terminal nostalgia brain that people have. I mean, you pro- I saw all those movies in the theater back then. I-, I was there too. I remember they sucked then and they suck now. Yeah. I don't... Yeah. I don't understand where that is because those nostalgic people were not there in the theater at the time. Maybe they were, I know I'm old. So maybe they were like four years old and they watched it on DVD and now they love it. But walking out of those empty, the empty theater uh, when I saw, you know, rise of the silver surfer or whatever, or man, the, the utter embarrassment that I felt when the lights went up at Daredevil and me and another comic-loving friend grabbed a bunch of people who didn't know the superheroes but just loved Spider-Man, and we were like, this is going to be great. It's going to be like Spider-Man. And then <laughs> just the utter sadness that we felt in 2003 when those lights came up, and we were like, I, we're so sorry. You know, those people did not exist then. Where are they coming from now? Don't try to give me this nostalgia stuff that I didn't get it. I was there. <laughs> It's the people who stood up and applauded at the end of The Flash. <laughs> yes, exactly. As my friend's 11-year-old kid referred to it the other day, it's the trash. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah. I assume all these people will be back for like one second, and it's just for a joke. Mm-hmm. It's just for yes, a, exactly. Because you've exactly. got like Channing Tatum as Gambit. You've got Electra, you've got Ben Affleck's Daredevil, you've got all of these, you've got um, Halle Berry's Storm coming back, you know. Uh, but I don't think they're fully involved in this story in the way that Hugh Jackman's Wolverine is. It, it's sure to be just for a, a throwaway joke. <laughs> Lee just said that there's set photos from Deadpool 3 that shows them fighting on the ruins of the 20th yes. Century Fox logo. <laughs> yes. I've been I was on vacation last week. I have not been online. So now all right, now I'm excited for this stupid movie. Can I give you guys some ammunition that you can use against me for the rest of my days? When Daredevil 2003 came out, I saw it on opening day, Valentine's Day, alone, first showing of the day, like could not wait, and I loved it. I was like this was awesome. Like I was wrong. Like I've come out, like, you know, but at the time I was like, I was like, this is better than Spider-Man. And like, they really like went for it here. I don't know what I was thinking. I was clearly, I was lonely. Like I had nobody like to set me straight, but. No. Okay. Well, you said the same thing about Thor, the dark world. You said you went to see it and you thought it was amazing, but then you just said, Oh, but I was high as a kite. So that explains I was it. super baked when well, I saw Thor, the dark world. Yes. Okay, like, but, so. Okay. Well, Daredevil? Same or sober? I was probably super baked then too. I was I was twenty one, <laughs> like so. I was never sober. It was like yeah, nine a.m. 
<laughs> There's a director's cut that redeems it? Question mark? Really? The, the, Daredevil the, that, or... that Daredevil film, there was a director's cut that throws in a whole legal story and other stuff, which adds more time onto it and adds more explanation for things. I don't think it improves it, I'm afraid, but it does add coherence at least. Yeah, I don't know who walked out of, I mean, maybe they were, I walked out of Daredevil saying, this is terrible, but I wish there was more of it. I need to get us slightly back on track with <laughs> Secret Invasion, what we call it a day. When it was announced, when the first trailers hit, I was like, man, I would love for us to come out of this show feeling like Nick Fury is going to finally build a shield as we know it in the comics. Because the MCU shield never got a chance to be the, the shield of Jim Steranko and, you know, just the, the amazing organization that touches all these corners of the Marvel universe that it is in the comics, right? It's like, it was introduced, it was a thing, and then it's like, nope, it's been run by Nazis this entire time, and now it's now it's over, and now Nick is in space. And it's like, okay, like, but S.H.I.E.L.D. is too cool of a concept to just leave fallow. Instead, what Secret Invasion is doing is further undermining Nick Fury, never mind his character, because he's supposed to be a terrible person, but with the scrolls, you know, when 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 Talos was telling him, it's like, he's like, yeah, like when you did this, like that was us, like like so. Even Nick's shield successes and you know domestic and foreign successes, hell, his romantic and bedroom successes apparently are also all because of scrolls. I don't know how I feel about that. It's a really strange situation that they've never delivered on Fury properly which has been great and I'm, I'm saying never delivered on fury i've enjoyed him just being mysterious figure in the background so i've been a, a little mixed on what we've been getting here so far but you, you're right the the promise of this could be we've sorted out all the issues because i think they even did a whole build-up for this of this is going to change the mcu and set up things for for what's going to come in the future and we're not seeing that particularly and oh, we were talking about all the deaths earlier i'm not sure fury is making out of this in the end so whether we're going to see anything built from it, whether we're going to see anything actually delivered that does change the world outside, because I'm not sure people are watching this, and I'm not sure people are liking this. So do they want to, to sort of have this as the baggage that defines the Kang era and what comes next for, for Marvel? Boy, that's a good, that just makes me think of just another Sorry. feeling of the show, <laughs> is that you've got Contessa running around in the other things, you know, presumably we, we know that Thunderbolts is going to be where this is going next. So you could see how the sort of dissolution of what's left of S.H.I.E.L.D. and Fury's uh, network could lead to her rising up. But we're doing the work <laughs> for the show to do that. So even on like the Marvel shared universe level, Secret Invasion isn't hitting that. It's 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 just kneecapping Fury in a way that's not interesting. And and I don't think, Mike, I was with you. I was hoping to see some belt buckles and dum dum Dugan and, and all of that fun stuff. And I don't, I, this show's not going to go in that direction. I don't think it's going to address S.H.I.E.L.D. in any way. I just, yeah. I think they're done with it. Uh, not seeing any kind of hint that S.H.I.E.L.D. Is, is coming, is rising from the ashes or anything like that. It's hard to know how this series will end and whether it will deliver on its like there are big you know ramifications for the mcu they always say this will change the mcu forever and it's just like <laughs> will it though will it 
it is a little refreshing in that despite it's like heavy ties to captain marvel i mean like this show has to be in incoherent to people who have not seen captain marvel right mm -hmm. but it doesn't feel like it's actively setting up 15 other things it just kind of feels like it exists in the same corner of the mcu that falcon and winter soldier did and that i presume thunderbolts will but I seem to remember them saying that like Secret Wars was going to be very important to uh, Secret Invasion was going to be very important to Armor Wars. Remind me, was that first a Disney Plus show and then became a movie or was it first a movie that then became a Disney Plus show? Disney Plus to movie. It, okay, so that was going to be, I am wondering now, for those who don't know, in the comics, Armor Wars is about you know, Tony Stark realizing that any like armored supervillain in the Marvel universe, like is using his tech to some degree that like somehow elements of it have made it out onto the black market. And so he feels responsible for all of the bad things that these people have done using his technology, you know, like however subtly it was integrated into their stuff. With Rhodey being a Skrull, you know, who knows what Skrull Rhodey has had access to for however long Skrull Rhodey has been around. You know, you have to imagine that some of this stuff has now been disseminated out into the world um, and falling into the wrong hands. So I, I think it will be kind of an interesting motivation for Rhodey in Armor Wars trying to clean up that mess. But now that I know that this is a movie and not a Disney Plus TV series, considering how the MCU films don't actually acknowledge the TV shows. I'm not so sure. <laughs> I, I, I don't think we're going to get an Armor Wars movie. That's my you prediction. You don't even think it's going to happen, huh? No, <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I mean, it could do. But I don't see how the series leads into that. Or Ironheart, actually. It feels like they've been kicking the Armor Wars can down the road so much that it will just quietly be shelved at this point. I, I don't know what the um, the hunger for it is out there. Um, I don't know whether Cheadle is still up for it or not. I haven't seen any recent interviews with him sort of hyping it up or talking about, you know, pre-production getting going or get a great scripts come in or anything like that. Like they usually like to talk about it. I haven't heard anything like that. So maybe we'll get a little uh, special presentation of Amors, who can say? <laughs> but you mentioned like the, the idea of Rhodey being, you know, a major part of this. One of my disappointments with Secret Invasion is that we're not talking, oh, Martin Freeman's been gunned down and turns out he's a Skrull. You need to go and investigate that and find out how long he's been a Skrull and what that impact that's had on, on the other things. Oh, we found out the same about Rhodey. Whether we see it in this show or not, I'm not getting the sense that this is having any impact. And I want to see them getting paranoid. And if, we, if we've got lots of conversations with two people in a room, finding a way to, you know, sharing intimate secrets with each other or confirming things or having a scroll detecting button that tells them if the person is or not, just some way of doing that paranoia. And then when, when we know, finding out how long it's been or is that person still around? Because I don't know. Is Martin Freeman just going to rock up and we kind of forget this has happened on this side of the, the, the screen? It's all good questions. You're not wrong. Very good questions. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> dot, 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 question mark, and no one has an answer. It's, it's such a shame. <laughs> Lightning round before we wrap it. Each of you, predictions, next week's death and ne next week's scroll reveal. 
hang as a scrawl, and that's how yeah. they're going to get rid of Jonathan Majors. Who's left to reveal as a scroll? Even Nick. Yeah, Nick. <laughs> Nick dies at the end of, of episode five, and he's the scroll. And episode six is just them rescuing him from... Because have they established whether they keep people alive? Yeah, they have. This is not the spirit think, of the right? lightning round, is it? They do. The, the person that stepped off the spaceship at the start of episode one wasn't Nick. It was a scroll posing as Nick. And mm. the real Nick will... Uh, Surprise Gravik just when Gravik thinks he's dead. That's my prediction. And if I've absolutely written how this show ends, I will be so mad. You've done it before. The, the only <laughs> other characters left are Olivia Coleman and the president. I think those are the only other humans left in it now. Is that it for today? Please. You give your prediction. I'm going to go, I'm going to agree with Lee that uh, Olivia Coleman's character is probably a scroll. And I don't think Nick is making out of making it out of this show alive as much as I desperately, desperately want him to. Um, just cannot imagine a world where, I mean, like, I like him so much and I've been so desperate for them to explore Nick Fury for so long that I'm not even mad about the digital de-aging tech and, and in those flashback scenes, you know, like... I need him to survive, but I think I think you're right. I think I think they're going to punch his ticket and give Sam a break. Matthew, one more time. Why don't you tell everybody everywhere that they can find you? Um, you can find us uh, all over the internet. We are the Eloquent Gushing Podcasting Network, where we do talk about the MCU and the Great British Bake Off and everything in between those two properties. I do a show called Marvelous with uh, my co-host Laura and Abby, who say really interesting things, and I tell them how it links to other properties in in the world and steal their ideas, which is always very helpful. All right, well, Matt, thank you so much for joining us. You, this thank has you. been, been awesome. I hope you come back. That is it, folks for another episode of Denny Geek Presents Marvel Standing Live. Don't forget, follow Denny Geek US on YouTube. I mean, if you're watching live right now, you already know this, but if you're listening after the fact, we are on twitch.tv slash TV. Catch our upcoming episodes with some cool surprises. I will not be one of them next week because I will be running around on the ground at San Diego Comic-Con, but I'll be back for the finale of Secret Invasion in two weeks. Oh yeah, we're at Marvel Standom on Twitter and Instagram. Drop us a line there. Let us know if you have any questions, any theories. We'll see if we can address them, whether I'm here or not. If you came in late, you can watch this episode at our web home. We are denigeek.com. We have a web player there. We are all of our amazing Marvel coverage stewarded by Kirsty is at denigeek.com slash Marvel. Uh, don't forget, you can check out past episodes there, wherever you get your podcasts on YouTube. You know the drill. Thanks again to our guest, Matthew Goes. Thank you to Joe George, who has continued to put up with me all this time. Uh, thanks to Andrew Halley, best producer in the multiverse. Michael R. makes the podcast version all it can be. But most of all, thanks, everybody, for watching, listening, following, and, subs and subscribing. This has been Marvel Standom on the Denny Network. Until next time, remember, folks... We stand together.